land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Children can run free. So take my hand and walk this land with me. And walk. Good evening. We have some problems at the moment. Uh, Yada has gone out, had to hang out or, or go out and come back in. His phone was being disconnected. His phone was being uh, all the uh, breaking up. So he went out. So we were just waiting on him to return. Uh, from last week, we had he just completed his uh, reading of 13.3 of Zechariah, and we'll pick up that shortly in a moment. We're just going to wait for him to return. Uh, JB, are you with us? I don't hear JB either, so um, I don't want to just start without him. Uh, number one, so let's um, so yeah, you're try this with again. Us. The last okay. three times, is within about thirty seconds of me making my mic live, it's hung up the phone uh-huh. on me. So, oh goodness! Those, those well, you're live. You're live now. I think. How, well, I can hear you, so I don't know, um, but I'm on the phone line, so I'm assuming that I can hear you. That I mean that yeah. you're alive and we're alive. I, I mentioned where we were. You. They can, okay. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to carry on because I thought he was just going to pop out for a minute, come back in. But uh, we'll give it a few minutes to see what's. Uh, did he text you, perhaps? Live radio. Okay. Uh, hello. Is anybody able to hear me at this point? We're calling in from a cell phone. You're okay, good. Well, I am so. I am no. I'm not. I am so sick and tired of blog talk radio that uh, it takes everything I have to to endure this level of uh, of frustration. Um, it is uh, it is a extraordinarily inferior system that uh, fails us 
as often as it uh, as it works. And we pay for this aggravation. So uh, I must tell you, I am uh, I am absolutely thrilled. All right, we were talking about uh, war, and mm-hmm. I'm here to say that we are on the uh, the precipice of war. Whether or not it is delayed a week, a month, a year, uh, I don't think there's any alternative but to witness uh, Russia invade the Ukraine, which wouldn't bother me in the least. Uh, the United States uh, was responsible for the uh, the riotous revolution that overturned the elected government. There's absolute proof of that, um, irrefutable proof of that. And then we have burden the American taxpayer with billions of dollars to support what is uh, among the uh, most dishonest group of people and regime in the world, among the most anti-Semitic, a place where Jews were treated worse than anywhere outside of, uh, of Germany. And prior to Adolf Hitler, where Jews were treated worse than Germany, uh, this is a place that if Russia wants them, let them have it. Uh, and for the United States and uh, what they call the silver fox, going to outsmart Putin. No, she got her head handed to her. The American belligerence in saying that, no, now that we've stolen it, we're going to put weapons there. We're going to do military training there. We're going to let them be part of NATO and not recognize that it's the same thing as Russia saying, well, we think uh, Cuba would be a nice place for missiles. We think Venezuela ought to be a good place for us to camp out. How about Panama? It's so unbelievably stupid. We will, of course, in America blame uh, Putin. We, uh, we'd love to do that, but it is our damn fault. We're the belligerents. We're the people unwilling to resolve this uh, matter sensibly. Now, it's a different story with uh, Taiwan. Uh, The Taiwanese are wonderful people. Uh, Their experiment in in, uh, representative government and free enterprise, their heroism, uh, it's extraordinary. And there's only maybe 10, 12 countries in the world that even recognize them. Uh, and it just shows how corrupt, how liberal the world has become that we, uh, we kowtow to the regime that gave us the coronavirus that has killed millions of people, that is sucking the lifeblood out of uh, the world's economies, that treats its own people as if they were in a prison camp. We will accommodate them and uh, soon we will see them invade Taiwan. The most recent belligerence by them is Lithuania, of all little countries, actually had the morality to have a Taiwanese embassy. And for that, the communist Chinese said that there would be no allowance of any kind for any shipment of any product made in Lithuania coming into um, China, there would be no allowance for any 
major product like a car, even if a part was made in that country, and that they're just beginning to punish them for doing what's fair, right, and moral, to encourage freedom in the world. And, of course, the United States says, oh, yeah, we're, we're all... Well, all we have is rhetoric. And at this point, America has what is arguably the least competent duo at its helm in its history. I mean, the only person you could say who is less competent to lead a country than our current president is our vice president. So we are in a horrible condition. I hate to even use we, but unfortunately I am an American. I'm embarrassed. October 2nd at sunset. Actually, it'll be five days later, beginning on Sukkah, on uh, the uh, 7th of October, uh, 2033. From that day and for the next thousand years thereafter, uh, the conditions on Earth will be a return to Eden. But if you notice on Eden, it was still possible for to actually uh, I think it's pretty clear that if you are honest, you will always be honest and Somebody is stupid and deny, you know, huh? living here in the millennial Shabbat where you know, his presence is amidst of his people, where God is returned as the Masayah, where, where your parents as covenant members will have this core written inside of them.
Shall we try um, again tomorrow or right. Sunday? Yeah, can you guys hear anything if we're still breaking out? Yeah, about one or two words out of, uh, and then long pauses. So um, if you can hear me, should we try to do this on another day? Uh, perhaps we'll have better luck or... JB, are you still there? Is any uh, better than it previously was? Oh, I hear you. I was just about to text you. All right. Hello? Any uh, better? Are we uh, uh, still about clear the same? At the moment. No, it's clear at the moment. All right, so I will um, I will continue. So, all right, so we uh, we have uh, audio again. Excuse my frustration, but um, when we make all this effort to get together and the the technology uh, fails us because Block Talk Radio is so um, inept, it is uh, is indeed frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what we're finding here is that the uh, the thing that is so irritating uh, to God, which is religious dress up. The other thing that is irritating to God is when people like uh, Paul or uh, Akiba or Mamamides, these idiots, uh, claim that uh, they are speaking for God. You know, if you were to ask a uh, any ultra-Orthodox Jew, in fact, any Orthodox Jew, uh, would they give the same weight to um, uh their Talmud and the rabbinic statements in their Talmud that they would give to the Torah, their answer would be yes. Matter of fact, they would call their Talmud the Torah. Uh, so this idea that people would pretend to be prophets, that they're going to play religious dress-up like the rabbis currently do or the ultra-Orthodox Jews do today, that's not going to exist. So at least we're going to be spared that. But there will be an mm-hmm. occasional idiot that's going to say something uh, that is misleading, that would lure people away from God. And fortunately, that's going to be snuffed out uh, rather quickly. So this goes on to say Zechariah 13.5. So he will say, I am not a prophet. I am an individual who serves the realm of mankind. Indeed, from my youth, I have made merchandise of men. Well, this certainly sounds like a confession that um, Paul would make, the author of the uh, the Christian New Testament, that he would uh, didn't have a single prophecy. He attempted uh, one kind of backhand, saying that uh, about the his harpazo, his rapture, uh, that. Uh, uh, those of uh, whom were alive, uh, including himself, would be snatched up first. And yet, um, obviously, uh, 2,000 years have transpired. And so Paul missed yeah. his prophecy by a scant 2,000 years. He, he clearly wasn't a prophet. But he was an individual who made merchandise of men. Uh, 
that uh, he did did a poor job in terms of himself. He uh, he died a a pauper, uh, rejected by everyone. It's sort of interesting that with uh, Paul, even though everyone, without exception, who knew him, who lived at that time, rejected him. That he was reborn in religious circles uh, by uh, the efforts of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, but it's interesting uh, fact that neither Paul, Akiba, nor Muhammad, uh, none of those three men actually claimed to be prophets. They all lacked the God-given ability to validate their claims in the manner of Yahweh's prophets who accurately presented the past, present, and future events. And so it's really interesting. Christians who read the, uh, the Christian New Testament, mm-hmm. they'll just say, oh, that's the same thing as what's back there. But Yahweh's never mentioned by name. God never speaks in first person, as he does in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. And the Torah, Prophets, it's filled with accurate prophecies, and yet that's not the case in the Christian New Testament. Matter of fact, even the book of Revelation, that you say, well, that's the prophetic book. Well, 90% of Revelation is a, either a citation of or a paraphrase of what's mm-hmm. written in the other prophets. So that would be like calling uh, me a prophet because I cite the prophets in... <laughs> and yada yada. No. You know, being able to quote a prophet does not make one a prophet. It just means you're reading the right material. So um, it is true also that uh-huh. Paul conceived the wealthiest religion in human history, Muhammad conceived the deadliest, and Akiba uh, the most menacing, at least for Jews. He brought the wrath of Rome upon his people for his promotion of a false messiah. That led to the diaspora and to his people's enslavement. It is so strange that the father uh-huh. of rabbinic Judaism is the man whose most famous move was to promote a false prophet, uh, a false messiah, uh, Bar Kokhba, and that the consequence of him recognizing a false messiah was that Rome came and beat the what was left out of the province of Yehuda, renaming it Philistina, um, tearing it to shreds, hauling Jews away uh, in captivity, beginning the diaspora, which of course led to the, uh, the Holocaust and the subjugation of Jews around the world. And this is the man who couldn't even get the present right that mm-hmm. they revere. Yes. Uh, it's, it's astounding that people that are supposedly smart could be that foolish. Paul's religion, that's how God sees it, by the way. He looks at Judaism and says, you idiots. He looks at Christianity and says, how in the world could this guy, the plague of death, Paul, who contradicts himself, have fooled you? He's constantly contradicting me, and yet you want to believe that the man who constantly contradicts me is speaking for me? Are you crazy? But nonetheless, that is uh, our uh, reality. So it's Paul's religion would uh, see that the Jews would be blamed for their own demise and then duly degraded and tortured for the crimes they did not commit. And of course, it is uh, interesting that the only reason... Mm -hmm. 
that Paul was able to perpetrate Christianity, which became not only the world's most popular religion, but the most aggressive religion against Jews. That the greatest enemy Jews have ever endured is the Roman Catholic Church as it morphed into the general religion of Christianity. And the only reason Paul was able to pull it off is because the religious Jews, the emergence of rabbis at that time, were so fixated on trying to wipe Yahweh out of their religion and establish themselves in control that they degraded Doe to the point that they no longer recognized him as the Messiah. They, never, they no longer recognized him as king. They never spoke of him as being the son of God. And because they didn't recognize the crucial role that Dode plays in this story, Dode's role is darn near equivalent to the importance of the Torah. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. extraordinary this individual is. He is the center point of God's story and relationship with humankind. And, and by rabbis failing to acknowledge him as the son of God, as the Messiah, as the returning king of kings, Paul was able to take all of those characteristics away from Dode, David, and give them mm-hmm. to this mythical character named Jesus. It would not have been possible had rabbis not misled the people. Moreover, the rabbis became so agonized over the emergence of, of this false messiah, which they could have stopped just by telling the people the truth, saying, I'm sorry, he does not qualify as the messiah, first of all, because he happens to be the Passover lamb, and let's acknowledge him as the Passover lamb, which would have put Jews on an entirely different course. But every Mm -hmm. prophecy regarding the Masayak has him representing and doing and acknowledging things that are wholly different from what we see in the Passover lamb. Moreover, if you check out his name, his name is Yahusha, which means Yahweh saves. We should be looking at Yahweh. If they had acknowledged Yahweh's name, if they had acknowledged the arrival of the Passover lamb, if they had acknowledged that Dode was the son of God and the Messiah and the returning king of kings, Christianity would have been stillborn. Paul would have suffered a far worse fate than dying alone and rejected. His religion would have died with him. They brought this horror on themselves. And the same thing is true with Islam. Islam does not exist without rabbis. Uh, the Muhammad had run out of material. He had plagiarized and forlorn all of the Hanif poetry that was available, which is what became the initial surahs of the Quran chronologically. Uh, and when he ran out of material and he was embarrassed in Mecca, after the night's journey, um, leaving the bed of a nine-year-old girl and pretending to fly a winged ass to a city whose name he did not know, to a, a temple that had been destroyed 600 years earlier, he went to 
Yathrib, and there tried to convince rabbis that he was their Messiah. And then when he couldn't convince them he was their Messiah, he bought Talmud readings from them. And the Babylonian Talmud had uh, just recently been compiled. He bought them to give his Quran credibility. Every bit of the Quran that has even an inkling of religious veracity, if there is such a thing, I mean, all religions are wrong, but at least credible enough to fool a fool, Mm -hmm. was stolen from the Talmud because rabbis sold him uh, quotations from it. And then when Muhammad twisted them, as he had the Hanif poetry, to serve his agenda, these uh, same rabbis mocked him, saying, that's not what we told you. And so the only way for Muhammad to survive that was to kill them, which is what he did, which is when the Quran turned on the Jews and actually admits that because the Jews had sold him uh, these uh, citations and then claimed that Muhammad had twisted them, that they must die. Rabbis created their two worst enemies. And yet, the very rabbis that created the diaspora, that recognized a false messiah, that enabled Paul to create Christianity, that enabled Muhammad to create Islam, are now venerated as if they spoke the word of a God who religious Jews do not even know his name. It is an incredibly sad story, and one that that Yahweh is extraordinarily angry about. You know, and I, I came on here and I'm frustrated with the technology. Imagine how frustrated, how, mm-hmm. how angry Yahweh is with his people who have done everything they can to degrade his name, who have replaced his testimony, who have placed the words of moronic men over his, who claim that their religion is serving them when in fact it is separating them from God, who have disavowed the Passover lamb, who no longer acknowledge that Dode is their Messiah, the King of Kings, the one who is returning. Now, God is exceedingly angry with his people, but nonetheless, he is still calling them home because not all Yehudim have fallen for their religion. And there are some some that are still open, and at the end there will be a remnant. And that remnant is going to acknowledge Yahweh. I was um, translating today the um, uh, 10th refrain of the 119th Psalm. And I I just think it's appropriate to share some of it with you because it it reinforces what we're talking about here. now, this is the 10th refrain. The 10th refrain, for those that know the Hebrew alphabet, would be the yod, the hand reaching down and out to us, God's hand, to lift us up. And what we find is that um, original supposition that the 119th Psalm was primarily an ode to the Torah was a was dod. Uh, being the ultimate student, transitioning to the most uh, effective teacher, sharing with us 
how to observe the Torah. It is um, far more than that. Uh, In fact, the emphasis is often not the Torah, although Torah is mentioned throughout, but instead what Dode represents. And it is only when we embrace what Dode actually represents that we come to understand Yahweh and what he is offering. So this is just the one refrain, one of the 22 uh, in it. And it reads, your hands, Yad Atta, have engaged and acted with me, making me who I am. They have prepared and supported me, appointed and established me, so that I am ready to take a firm and enduring stand, steadfast, certain, resolved, and sure. It is your will to help me develop the mental acuity to understand, to realize the truth, to scrutinize the evidence, and perceive what can be rationally deduced by making the proper connections. As a result, I want to learn, acquiring the information and training needed to teach the instructive conditions of your relationship agreement, delineating what you have offered along with what you expect in return. Ms. Moore, 119.73. And we're going to go through each of these eight. But in this statement, Dode was literally made by God. This is a man who was prepared and supported, appointed and established, that God made ready, that he helped him develop the mental capacity to not only understand what Yahweh is offering, what Yahweh is expecting, what Yahweh is teaching, but this student became the ultimate teacher. By respecting you and by, by being inspired by you, this is Dode speaking to Yahweh, you is Yahweh. By respecting mm-hmm. you and by being inspired by you, they will come to see me, having decided to consider what I represent. And they will be delighted, even elated, because indeed, according to your word, I have waited expecting this outcome. Imagine a person in a position that can say, by respecting Yahweh, by being inspired by Yahweh, such a person will come to see me, see me, having decided to consider what I represent. And they will be delighted. Because indeed, according to your word, I have waited expectedly for this outcome. What this says is that Dode is the closest person we will ever know to Yahweh. So think about that for a moment. What was it that made this man so exceptional that those who respect Yahweh, those who are inspired by Yahweh, will come to see Dod? They will understand what he represents. The next uh, statement is one that should be near and dear all of our uh, hearts. Yada Yahweh. Yada Yahweh. I know. I'm looking at it. I recognize and I acknowledge and I understand Uh Yahweh. 
This is because your approach to achieve justice, resolve disputes, and think rationally are trustworthy, correct, fair, vindicating, and right. Reliably and truthfully, you have responded to me, answering me with your testimony. This is what the remnant of Yisrael will ultimately say when that remnant survives this time of Yaakov's troubles and they look up to Yahweh who will return with Dod on Yom Kippur and 6,000 Yah, October 2nd, 2033, sunset 622 in Jerusalem, should you want to set it on your calendars. And for the first time in a very long time, Yehudim, Israelites, are going to say, Yada, Yahweh, I know, I understand, Yahweh. Please let your continual kindness and steadfast love always exist to comfort me in accordance with your word and promises that you have made to your servant. Your mercy and favoritism come to me because I live for your Torah. It is my greatest joy. Now, think again about this for a moment. Can you imagine being in a place as a Jew where you have been told that the Torah is comprised of laws? What? Mamana Mamadis had 613 of them. Negative laws and positive laws. 613. And here is Dode, the man who is the closest human, any human will ever be to representing who God is. And he says, the Torah is my greatest teaching. Yeah. Why? Because Torah is guidance. Because Torah is teaching. Torah is not law. No. Dode loved to learn. And accordance, accordingly, that guidance took him home. So this is what he says next. Lift the presumptuous, the self-absorbed, and self-willed, the self-important who are audaciously disrespectful by acting if they and their pontifications are superior. The disapproved and be disapproved and be humiliated because by misappropriating the truth with misleading claims and outright deceptions and their or this I should say duplicitous sham with falsified and feigned testimony as part of an ignorant and irrational witness these liars have subverted what I represent by twisting and perverting who I am, creating a false impression about me. It is um, true, but yet not well understood that the most menacing religion in the history of humankind towards the chosen people, Christianity, was conceived in this manner. Uh, Many 
um, Jews are aware of this concept called replacement theology, where Paul wrote that uh, because uh, Jews had plotted to kill his God, uh, that they were no longer deserving of, uh, of heaven. They, because Jews had rejected Paul, they were no longer uh, the chosen people, and that now the chosen people and all promises to Israel now applied to Goyim Christians. That's called replacement theology. Now, of course, it's stupid in the sense that if uh, Jews could kill God, then, then the Goyim should be worshiping Jews. Uh, and, oh, by the way, the Passover lamb came to die. Uh, and God, by the way, cannot die. So you've got a couple of serious problems with Paul's theory. Uh, nonetheless, uh, a God who would say, because you upset me, I'm going to disavow all of the thousands of promises I have made to you would not be much of a God. Putting those things aside for the moment. That's not the fulcrum upon which replacement theology covers. It is here. Paul begins in, uh, uh, I don't know if it's the second or third chapter of Acts. I think it's actually the second chapter of Acts. He's, he's, he's making a very long speech, his first public speech. Uh, I analyzed this in the last chapter of the fourth volume of Questioning Paul for those that uh, want a refresher on it. But in, in the speech, there, everything Paul says is untrue. But the... The crux of his speech is that Mm -hmm. David is dead and buried. Yes, I remember. And because David is dead and buried, every promise that was made to Dode, David, must therefore apply to the Christian Jesus Christ. That is the basis of Christianity. Because unless their mythical Jesus Christ can be called the Messiah, which is Dode's title, unless he can be called the Son of God, which is Dode's title, unless he can be granted and afforded a second coming, which is what Dode is going to do according to Yahweh, unless Jesus is the chosen one as opposed to David, which God calls David, Dode, the chosen one, calls Dode the branch, the shepherd, uh, my firstborn, unless all of those titles and every prophecy that is made in promise that is made to Dode, who is the single most discussed individual throughout the prophets. Overwhelmingly so. More so than Moshe. Unless all of those are transferred to this mythical creation named Jesus Christ, then you got that. Dode is ranting against right here in the 109th Mismore. The self-absorbed and presumptuous, they did this to me with their duplicitous sham. They have taken what belonged to me and they gave it to another. This is the single greatest crime that has ever been committed because it has precluded Goyim and Yehudim alike from heaven. And it is exceedingly upsetting to God, which is why he inspired his prophet, Dode, to scribe these words. 
if you're proud of your son, which Yahweh is exceedingly proud of Dode, he says, he is my son, I am his father, he says, and he is Sadak, right? And God, the first time we hear Dode's name, Yahweh says, no, I, I don't want any of those other sons of uh, Yahshua. No, no, no. There's one down there living apart from everybody else. He happens to be in Bethlehem. He's a shepherd down there. You go get him. He's the one I want. And then God says, my criterion for choosing, the means that I use to determine what is appropriate is entirely different than mankind's. And it is this individual that the moment he arrived, he was anointed the Messiah. And immediately thereafter, the spirit of Yahweh descended upon him and never left him. He is the living embodiment of the word of God. He is the living embodiment of what it means to be part of the covenant. He is the Messiah that Jews await that don't know his name. And he's the one that represents everything that was erroneously transferred into this mythical character, Jesus Christ. And the the worst part of the whole thing is because the rabbis so chafed at this wrong Messiah. It's too bad they didn't chafe at uh, Akiba for his false Messiah, but nonetheless, they chafed at Paul for his false Messiah. They missed the entire point, which was that he's the Passover lamb. I myself will think about and speak knowledgeably because I will study and make known. I will learn and instruct your precepts, those instructions which you have entrusted to us, encouraging us to pay attention to and examine for guidance that we can respond appropriately to you. Let those who are inspired by you and who respect you turn to me, and they will come to know and understand your eternal witness and restoring testimony. Yeah. I understand we have a number of, uh, of Jewish listeners from New York uh, this evening, and I apologize for our rough start with, uh, with Blog Talk Radio. It doesn't happen uh, every week, but uh, nonetheless, uh, welcome. Uh, we do this for you. There are now 20 to 25 uh, books that have been rewritten uh, in the Yada Yawa series uh, from the four that are called Questioning Paul that destroy every nuance of Christianity, which are very important for Jews to read because you need to know how it was that you have been over these last 2,000 years so bludgeoned and abused by this religion so that you can know why it is false. And uh, there are three books, uh, one that is currently in the process of being written, but two that are available to you free uh, called An Introduction to God to tell you exactly who he is, what he wants, what he is asking in return, what he is offering. And then a series of the first six are now published on Yada Yahweh, starting with the creation account, running all the way now through three volumes devoted with the uh, seven Moed Mikre actually represent all of which religious Jews get wrong. All of which are essential to our relationship with God. Many of which 
are specifically designed for you to come home. Uh, and in particular, Yom Kippurim, which is not a day of atonement or affliction, but a day of reconciliations. It is the time that Yahweh is returning with Dode, where Dode plays an extraordinarily important role. So as we're reading this, Dode is saying something that is uh, um, that no other person in human history could say. Even Moshe, who is, you know, you uh, look through the characters that, uh, the, in a character I mean in a very positive way, those, these individuals that God chose to work with, uh, Moshe is just an, ex- an exemplary man in every possible way, the, a man of character and courage, of great intellect. And even with Moshe, Moshe never said such a thing. But Dode was inspired to write these words. And they are extraordinary words. It puts Dode in a class by himself. It makes Dode the, um, the living embodiment of the word of God. Those who are inspired by you, speaking of Yahweh, who respect you, turn to me. And they will come to know and understand your eternal witness and restoring testimony. Why is that true? Many reasons. One is that God wrote more for our benefit than anyone else. He wrote the vast majority of the Mizmor, the Psalms. He's the one who actually wrote the uh, Mashal Proverbs, not Solomon. And he is cited vociferously through uh, the books of the Kings and Chronicles and uh, Shamuel. And then we find him again as the single most mentioned character throughout the prophets. So we have an enormous amount to read. And Dode is likely the most brilliant person who ever lived. And he is um, perhaps the most articulate. And so by coming to know what he said, we come to know and understand the word of God. He wrote much of it. But it's more than that. This man's life exemplifies what Yahweh is looking for in people. A man of character, a man of intellect, a person who focuses on his Torah, a person who learns from him, and then teaches what he has learned, who is devoted to protecting his people, who was trained as a shepherd to guide the flock, who has passion. This is what God's looking for in the relationship. And so he's able to say, let those who are inspired by you and who respect you turn to me, and they will come to know and understand your eternal witness and restoring testimony. May my judgment and thinking continue to be right, entirely correct and without deviation, truthful and in accord with regard to your clearly communicated prescriptions for living, which cut us into the relationship so that I am not confounded or wrong for having said or done something inappropriate. You know, I have devoted the last two years of my life to 
retranslating and rewriting what will be when we're done, I think, 27 volumes, averaging 600 pages. Uh, Because we learned so much along the way that some of the things that we thought to be true early on turned out not to be true. Uh, And the biggest change for us was when we began writing uh, the five volumes of observations, which led to the two existing volumes of coming home, where we came to learn that Dode is the center port uh, point of history, that he is this, the fulcrum of God's story. He is not just the Messiah and returning king of kings. He is not just the son of God, although pretty good starters for a resume, but he's also an extraordinary prophet. Uh, and it was coming to recognize what he represents to Yahweh and to us and our relationship with God that caused us to do uh, so much of these rewrites. And, and so our goal is to be right. That's not where Dode is. As a prophet, Yahweh has uh, two places in Devarim, Deuteronomy. He tells us, you want to know if a prophet is speaking for me? Here's the criterion. He has to get the past 100% right. He has to get the future 100% right. He will have to present prophecies, and for all of those prophecies must come true. And his testimony must be consistent with what you have read that I have said elsewhere. Because Dode was a prophet, he did not have the luxury of making a mistake, not in these words. In his own life, he's a human like the rest of us. He had flaws. But his flaws never permeated his testimony. His testimony in the Mizmor, the Psalms, his testimony in the Mashal, Proverbs, is 100% accurate. This is the, the statement just of the Yod one letter of the 22 in the Hebrew alphabet that represents uh, the 119th Psalm. I'm looking forward to being able to uh, 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 publish uh, those uh, soon. I think that Mike was able to share some of them with you because he has a, uh, um, he does fact checking and has a, uh, an early uh, copy of it. Um, but we're learning that, the uh, 119th Psalm isn't just an ode to the Torah. It's not just the song of the Torah and Dode's explanation of how to properly observe it. But Dode, Yahweh literally presenting Dode as the exemplar mm-hmm. of the Torah. Uh, now, may I interject real quickly? That uh, as, I, as you were doing that, I was uh, looking at the Masoretic texts and the translations in English that are usually used by mm-hmm. Christians. And um, every verse has about one word that's mistranslated, whether it be Anna or Torah and so forth. And you get those straight, and it's just perfect. I mean, it's just they really, they really twist that word. I mean, my oh, God, my. it's re- yeah. reversal. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, I was uh, dealing with a, uh, the next letter, which is uh, Kaf. It's interesting. You've got hand followed by palm and mm-hmm. the, uh, the Hebrew alphabet. And uh, yes. so the next letter is cough. And, and at one place, um, 
uh, Dode says that you have made me, you have engaged and you have acted with me. Uh, the difference between the Mesoretic text here and the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and the Qumran scrolls where one says, I have become, uh, which is the Mesoretic reads, and the, uh, the Dead Sea scrolls read, you have made me. Uh, and then the next word is uh, rendered in every Bible translation, including the Jewish uh, Publication Society, the JPS, the King James, mm-hmm. you name yeah, it, it all the way uh-huh. through. Yeah. It says, you, you, you've made me, uh, or you have, or no, I exist as an old and worn out uh, wineskin. Now, what in the world would an old and worn out wineskin, that means like saying, you know, I, I'm a flask of hooch. <laughs> Why would God, in the midst of it, it's just insane. And what it actually says is, you have made me like a scroll like parchment that is ready to be written on. Wow. You've made me the, the place where your word is written. I exist as parchment ready to have your word inscribed on it. And, you know, so again, the difference between what the publishers publish and what it's actually written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what Yahweh says is pretty uh, stunning. Uh, here's now uh, Zachariah, which means remember Yah, uh, 1316. So if someone asks him, what is this plague that you have influenced? And he will say regarding these associations and this path through life, I was overwhelmed and stricken in the house of one who appreciates and desires me. Now, that seems like the world is he talking about. Well, let me help a little bit here. First of all, religions yeah. are plagues. Paul specific or plague God specifically calls uh, Paul Shaul the plague of death. Uh, so religions, all religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, they're all plagues. The most viral and mortal pandemic to ever inflict humankind. Now, there's a difference. The coronavirus is very contagious, but it's, uh, it's not exceptionally lethal. It's far fewer than one in a thousand people that get the coronavirus, particularly now in the, uh, in the Omicron variant, die from it. Well, 100% of the people infected with religion die from it. Now, affirming this, Yahweh, as I mentioned earlier, caused Shaul and Chabauk, the plague of death. Elsewhere in the Mizmor Psalm, he calls him the father of lies and uh, the, uh, the son of evil. Naming him by name, by the way, there's no confusion here. Religion is from the hand of man, not God. It is a product of Babel, Bayon, confusing and jaundiced associations and bogus and belittling bewildering connections. Religious lies are made to appear credible by the way they are presented in the New Testament, in the Talmud, and in the Quran. All three cite from Yahweh's Torah and prophets, twisting and convoluting God's message to give their deceptions a veneer of authenticity. The text of the prophets is misappropriated and then misquoted 
only to be intermixed with religious delusions. Throughout the scriptures of Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. As insecure narcissists, Paul, Makiba, and Muhammad, and to call them narcissists is too kind. They were mm-hmm. psychopaths. Right. They were psychopaths. Uh, we're, all three were looking for love and adoration in all the wrong places. And they found it feigned by Satan, whose uh, actual empathy was uh, similarly compromised. It is why uh, we uh, have shared what we have discovered about them. Therefore, in these words, we are witnessing something tragic. The men responsible for crippling humankind are passing the buck. Uh, That's what this statement is saying. They're saying that the plagues they perpetrated were not their fault. They're claiming that it was Satan who overwhelmed them by possessing them. Yeah, the devil made me do it. Mm -hmm. Flip Wilson. Yeah. So this has been uh, breathtaking in its implications. And and we should be grateful for Yah for having thought to share this with us. For his people to accept him, they must first reject the religious influences in their lives. And these insights serve that purpose. And fortunately, there, there are a very significant percentage of Yehudim, Jews, uh, and uh, Israelites, Israelis, who recognize that Judaism is nothing but a control mechanism. Unfortunately, in Israel, the rabbis have been given way too much authority, and they have defined what it means to be a Jew as being ultra-Orthodox, as if there were a correlation between race and religion. God loves the race. He hates the religion. And to say that being Jewish means that you are a practitioner in Judaism is flat out wrong. You can and should be Jewish without engaging in Judaism. And it is today we have a, uh, a problem, though, also on the left, where progressive Jews, liberal Jews, while they know that Judaism is a fraud, uh, they're largely atheists. And liberalism today, progressivism, wokeism, has caused people to lose their ability to think rationally. So they put themselves in the same position as are the religious, where evidence and reason, even if that evidence comes from the creator of the universe and is irrefutable, does not resonate with them. And so we have a very fast-growing segment of Jews that are becoming ever more political and liberal and progressive, losing their ability to think rationally, developing a real antagonism not only for the religion of Judaism, which is good, but for what it means to be Jewish, even for Israel. And you have a rapidly growing segment Uh, that represents the paradigm, that represents the ultra-Orthodox who are completely wasteful, Um, valueless lives, Um, nothing but an irritation to God, plain religious uh, dress-up 
and doing nothing but irritating the Almighty. Between the two, there is hope. And between it's that narrow band, and, and I, I wish it was broader, but it's that narrow brand to whom Dode is speaking, of whom Zachariah is speaking, to whom Yahweh is calling home. And we wish that you will take the time to read what God has to say. Now, as we press through this prophetic portrait and remember that virtually everything Zachariah has to say is uh, either prophetic of the days leading up to the fulfillment of Yom Kippurim in year 6000 Yah, the actual fulfillment in the return of Dode with Yahweh on uh, the day of reconciliations in uh, 6000 Yah, October 2nd, 2033, or it's about what's going to transpire immediately thereafter. And in terms of the, this text, this prophetic uh, portrait, we find that there is very little correlation in the words that follow and the lexicons and their definitions of the terms found in the Hebrew text. This is a very difficult prophet for some reason for the religious to comprehend. Their expressions are absurd by the context of this discussion. And that's what she is just as to how different translations are than actually in the text. Now, in this regard, while considering the next statement, be aware that uh, cherub uh, can be transliterated in different ways, including to denote the mountain of God where Yahweh and his Torah were revealed. Further, awar means to blind, to be blinded, to give false testimony, to be fooled by it, or to be malicious and unjust. The same letters vocalized ur mean to arouse, to incite, and to stir up. Therefore, I think that Yahweh is telling the likes of Paul, Akiba, and Muhammad that while mm-hmm. they have made merchandise of men, he isn't buying their excuse. This reads, You have chosen to blind by giving false testimony, a war. Of your own free will, you have individually made the choice to be unjust and to gloat over your decision to be malicious. And there will be no hiding from the deceptions you have stirred up, chiseling away at Choreb. In opposition to my shepherd and against the empowered and strong man who serves as my associate, prophetically declares Yahweh of the vast array of spiritual implements and heavenly messengers. It is in the, uh, the prophecy in Yeshaya 9 that is claimed by Christians where it, mm-hmm. it talks about a, a child uh, was born, uh, born, a son was given. That, uh, and it says, you know, the government will be on his shoulders. And it goes on. And what's so interesting about that prophecy is there's only one person in human history that uh, meets all of the criterion that's listed in it. 
He's done. David. Uh, and of most course. of what's written there does not apply to the Passover lamb, the ocean. And yet, Jews don't claim it for Dod, and Christians claim it for Jesus. So the people who ought to know do not claim it for the person it was written about, while the people who are oblivious claim it for someone whose name is never mentioned throughout the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. And one of the characteristics of that individual, which is why, to their credit, Jews recognize that the Christian Jesus did not meet the criterion of being the, uh, the Messiah as uh, delineated in Yashaya, is that the Masayak is a Gabor. He's not just yeah. a strong man. He's someone oh, he's who not. fights to defend the people. That's why Jews are looking for a soldier-like Messiah. Well, the greatest soldier they ever had defending his people, the one who never lost the battle, the one who, who got empowered to prevail, the one who within likely weeks of the time that he was anointed Masayak with one stone, verbally assaulted and enslaved the greatest foe that Israel had met at that Goliath. Up to that time. This mm-hmm. is the Gabor. <laughs> and, and so by saying that, that this acknowledging that uh, uh, they have chosen to blind by giving false testimony, chiseling away at Choreb, Choreb means to chisel away, and it's written exactly as the mountain of God, Choreb, where the Torah was given. So they've chiseled away at, the, at what occurred at Choreb by being in opposition to my shepherd. God only names one man shepherd. He specifically says, you know, you were out there shepherding sheep, and I called you to be king, called you to be Messiah, called you to be my son. I called you to return with me. And he specifically says, this is my shepherd, and against the empowered and the strong man, Geber, a variation of Gabor, who serves as my associate. What is Dode called throughout the prophet. Shepherd. Shepherd. Uh, yeah, well, shepherd, but he also says, I am uh, Yahweh's associate. I am Yahweh's oh, of course. Yes, servant. Yes. I, I am Yahweh's yes. co-worker. And so it is by doing these things that these religions were conceived. So uh, to state this in a different way, Satan was the beneficiary, not the cause of Christianity, Judaism, Islam. Socialist secular humanism. Paul, Akiba, Muhammad, and Marx were not deprived of free will. They chose to deceive and to associate with the deceiver. The devil did not make them do it. Awar was written here in the uh, the call uh, imperative, such that when coupled with Cherub, reveals that God's assessment of of religious leaders here as people who have deliberately blinded the masses, having chosen to do so, having conjured up false testimony to chisel away at the Torah, which was revealed on Choreb. They individually chose to be deceptive. That is what the imperative mood means, is that as an act of free will, someone makes this choice. The call stem says that 
within this relationship, their choice was genuine, and we should interpret this literally. They individually chose to be deceptive and then gloat over their maliciousness, taking a dagger to the truth, inscribing that which would squander God's teaching. They did not attack God alone, but they took aim at his shepherd, his associate, Masiach and Malek. Hadot. The rabbis have drowned out his lyrics with their own. You know that there are a number of uh, rabbinical sites that actually seek to judge Dode. Rabbis just have a heck of a time uh, trying to besmirch his reputation. They want to set themselves up as being superior to the Son of God. How, how can you misinterpret this last verse, 13.7? Well, knowing what he's talking about, this ain't, this ain't hard, even for me. No, it's not hard. Uh, and, and with so many of these statements, they permeate the prophets. And Zachariah Dode is the, the person who is specifically named as the person fulfilling these promises. The same thing is true in Yeshua, Isaiah. The same thing is true throughout the prophets is Dode is specifically named as the beneficiary of these promises. He is the shepherd. He is the Messiah. He is the king. And he is the son of God. As for Paul, he would build his edifice by doing away with Dode, literally burying him such that he could transfer everything Yahweh had said about his son to the caricature he had conceived in Jesus Christ. And once he had replaced Dode with Jesus, he replaced Jews with Gentiles. Now, the funny thing is, I guess not that it's funny, uh, uh, particularly with the Christians uh, rallying around their dead God on a stick. Uh, And we've shared this before. If, Mm -hmm. If Jews had actually connived to, uh, in unison to kill uh, the mythical Jesus. Since Yosha was actually the Passover lamb, had they conspired <laughs> they to make certain well. that the Passover lamb died on Passover, then we ought to be thanking them because that is how mm-hmm. Passover was fulfilled. That's how we received the benefit. Why aren't we thanking them? And of course, if they actually killed God, we ought to be worshiping them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and Point of course, taken. the whole story is just a, a, a bunch of malarkey because it was Rome, Yosha, and it was Rome that became Roman Catholicism. Um, How did Doe know about uh, crucifixion 500 years early? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and one of the, the the only eyewitness account of what occurred during the fulfillment of uh, of Pesach Passover in year 4,000, yeah. The only eyewitness account is written by Dode. There's a prophecy of its fulfillment written 300 years after Dode by Yasha Isaiah uh, in the 53rd chapter where it describes uh, Yosha as the Passover lamb, and it explains how he is fulfilling Passover. But the actual event as to specifically how the Passover lamb would die and fulfill Passover, the only eyewitness account, is by uh, the 
uh, and it's in the 22nd Mismore. As a matter of fact, uh, well, there's very little of anything in the Christian New Testament that is reliable. They all uh, say that uh, the last words of, of uh, Yosha on the uh, upright pole was, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you uh, are aware of what Dode wrote, Yosha was citing the opening line of the 22nd Mismore. He was telling the world, if you'll read Dode's 22nd Mismore, you'll know exactly what I'm doing here. And you'll also know that, that God didn't die and that God is not the Passover lamb. He simply supplied the Passover lamb just as he promised he would do with Abraham. Mm-hmm. As for, uh, for Paul, the ruse that he has uh, created, uh, the, the fact of the matter is that it is not a Jesus Christ who is returning. It is not an unnamed Messiah that is coming for the people. It is Yahweh who is returning and he is coming back with his Ra'ah shepherd, the Gabor, his personal associate and his leading man, none other than the actual Masiach and the Ben Elohim, the Ra'ah, the Melech, and his beloved, the Dod. If, by the way, the sound of that name, if you're listening to us for the first time, uh, seems un. Um, unfamiliar to you, that you're more familiar with uh, Dweed or Doed or David, Mm -hmm. understand two things. One is there is no V in Hebrew. There's no V letter. There is no V sound. There are 22 letters. There is no V in any of those 22 letters. And uh, the Wa in Hebrew is a vowel. It's not a consonant. And the vowel uh, Wa creates the O sound or the U sound. It is in Yahweh's name as the O sound. It is the O sound in Torah. It is the uh, O sound in Dose, which is a word in Hebrew that means beloved. Uh, About 80% of the time that Dode, David, is written uh, in the text of the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, it is spelled D-W-D. Uh, and about 20% of the times it spells D-W-Y-D. And the difference is uh, in the, um, all of the books written that were written uh, contemporaneous with Dode's life. And for the uh, 500 years after Dode's life uh, are written in D-W-D. It is only books that were written uh and the second temple period would be the very last of the, the prophetic books that add a, uh, a Y to it, which is the, uh, the Son of God. So we pronounce it as Dode because that's the way that it is written 80% of the time and 100% in the text of those who knew him best. Now, some would say, wait a minute, you know, we as Jews rally around the Star of David. It is the symbol of the race. 
of Jews. It is symbol of the nation and the politics of Jews. It is a symbol of the religion of Jews, the star of David. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? His name wasn't David. It was Dode, and he did not have a star. This mythical star that is ascribed to David was first conceived in the Zohar and written uh, in the 12th century CE. That is where it began, which is Jewish mysticism. And it didn't emerge again until the Roman Catholic Church started using it as the Nazis would do later to mark Jews for discrimination, subjugation, and oppression. And so it was a symbol that was applied to Jews by the Roman Catholic Church to degrade them. The same is true then of what the Nazis did with their Jude and six uh, pointed star. So to take this symbol of humiliation, of subjugation, of uh, anti-Semitism, and use it as the symbol of the nation, the symbol of the race, the symbol of the religion, is uh, foolhardy. It is, it is like so many other things that man has done to spit in God's face. It is very much like God saying, my principal symbol is going to be the menorah. It has seven candles seven light as I have seven Moed Mikre, uh, just as there are seven colors that permeate that rainbow, which is the symbol of my covenant, just as man who is conceived on the sixth day plus God who is one equals the perfect result. It is all consistent with Yahweh's message and what have religious Jews done. They've created a, their own menorah. Their menorah has nine candles. And it depicts one of the lamest episodes in the history of the Jewish people where Jews were fighting Jews for who would rule over Jews. In the midst of the Civil War, this nine-candle menorah was, uh, was popularized. What a disgrace. Mm-hmm. That uh, men would worship, worship men and the foibles and the wars of men rather than acknowledge the creator of the universe. Well, this is to say that there's going to be no excuses for the religious, for those following a false prophet, for those playing religious dress-up, for those identifying with religious objects like crosses or stars, for those who do not recognize Yahweh's shepherd and associate. This is Yahweh's son, the son of God. When you disrespect him you are disrespecting the father to be fair I offer this apology I did not see any of this while initially translating or writing yada yada what we're sharing to with you now is in the sixth volume of the rewrite of uh, of yada yada it's in the Moed Mikre uh, volume uh, Moed meaning appointments it's the third volume devoted to the seven annual meetings to be called out and meet with God. And when we were writing that, when I wrote this initially, I was unaware of what Yahweh has to say about his son. 
um, to my shame, I was uh, raised a Christian. And as a, uh, a Christian, you are trained to interpret anything that has Dode's name on it, David's name, and ascribe it to your Jesus Christ. And the notion that Jesus is not the Messiah, the notion that he's not the Son of God, that in fact Dode is both of those things, uh, and that Yosha is simply the Passover lamb and Dode is the shepherd, tell you it is one of those roles that's a lot more enjoyable than the other, uh, that's, it, it takes some work to get that lie out of your system. Out of your brain, yeah. Yeah, and even when you realize, which I did many, many years ago, that uh, Yosha was neither the Son of God nor the Messiah, you still have to recognize the importance of Dode in this story and why that means so much to Yehudim, because he was Yehud. Because he was the one that united Yisrael, that established Jerusalem as the capital, who purchased the Temple Mount, who acquired all the material for the first home of God, and who wrote the stories that resonate with us today. And so when I originally wrote this uh, material, I, I didn't see all of that. Uh, it's just like translating now the 119th Psalm with, with fresh eyes. It was not until my uh, wife, who is a Yaud, um, helped me really uh, appreciate the fact that I needed to rewrite all of these books now, which I've done for the last two years, and so many of us have participated in improving, uh, uh, that we have rewritten Yada Yawa, An Introduction to God, Observations and Questioning Paul. And, uh, and that was after composing Coming Home, that we're now able to render what may be the first time in 2,500 years that God's Son is correctly portrayed, that the Messiah is accurately presented, Mm-hmm. That Dode's role with Yahweh is finally appreciated. Well, I guess better late than never. Uh, with this being my eighth review of this material, hopefully it will stand the test of time. And if not, we'll go back and, uh, and well, make know. it right. That is, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's the joy of learning is that you always have the opportunity to, uh, to improve and to correct anything that you may not have seen the previous time. And if not, we'll use what time we have left to continue to, uh, to write. There's so many more chapters of Yashaya, of Yermaya, of Malachi, of um, the Mizmor that I would love to translate and share. Now, over the past uh, 20 years, soon it'll be 21 years, we have been exposed to the best of the word and the worst of man. We have learned, we have grown. Some days are inspiring and enlightening, especially liberating and enriching, and others are even better than that. This day, these insights have been among the most rewarding. And 
understand that these insights are being shared on the day that means more to Yahweh than any other. Yom Kippurim is the highlight of Yahweh's existence. It is when his wayward family finally returns home and they look up to him, the one that they had pierced and recognized him, um, loving him along with his son. This next line reads, when you choose to strike the shepherd, then the sheep are scattered and attacked. But then I will return using my hand to bring restoration upon these little ones. Think of how many Jews have suffered. Think of how many Christians have died separated from a God they do not know because they chose to strike the shepherd because they destroyed what the shepherd represents. As a result of besmirching Dode, of robbing him of what he represents, of not understanding that the shepherd is the Messiah and that he is the king and the son of God, the sheep have been scattered and they have been attacked. And while I'm certain that Yahweh is, he says so, angry at Paul, not only for creating the most anti-Semitic religion of all time, which is his principal issue with Paul, and he is disappointed that Paul led so many Goyim astray. That's not why he speaks so harshly of that man. It's because by striking the shepherd, the sheep have been scattered. But then I will return. And by the way, I should say this, you know, if you read the Christian mm-hmm. New Testament and you read uh, Pontius Pilate's, uh, I, don't, I don't understand that nothing that is said um, about Pontius Pilate and the trial and the scheming Jews and all of that sort of thing is true. I mean, if you want to, uh, you know, have uh, um, a thousand opinions, ask three Jews. Jews have never been in unison on anything, much less uh, killing a, a mythical Jesus. But all of that story is uh, is made up. But just think for a moment of what the uh, of what Pilate's issue was. He was his question was, "Are you a king?" Now, if um, Yosha had said, hell yeah, I'm a king. Then Pilate, on behalf of Rome, would have to have killed him immediately. He could never have turned and said, no, I find him innocent. Because that is, uh, would be treason. You can't, no one could survive in that state. They, and so there is zero chance that Pilate would have asked the question, and if the alleged Jesus would have answered, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's as you say, he'd been dead immediately. But what they're trying to do, of course, is to ascribe not only kingship to their Jesus, but to have Rome say, yep, yeah, he, he's the guy. I find nothing wrong with what he said. Um, in that. By ascribing it, the stealing from Dode, what is rightly his. 
Then God says that as the sheep are scattered and attacked, but then I will return using my hand to bring restoration. Yahweh describes in the Mizmor um, Dote as the hand of God. Now, some people might be at this point saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is way too much, you know, uh, uh, too much about uh, Dode, not enough about Moshe, you know, what's going on here? The fact of the matter is, God doesn't like working alone. He not only doesn't like working alone, uh, if there's any way possible to avoid it, he won't work alone. Then I'm living proof of, uh, of that. I mean, he stoops so low as to work with this idiot, Goy, simply because there were no other options. I mean, the fact is, God does not work alone. Uh, when, uh, you know, he went to liberate the children of Israel from Mitzrayim, he picked an 80-year-old broken-down shepherd on the run from uh, having committed uh, murder in Mitzrayim and said, you're my guy, you're going with you. We're going to do this together. Yeah, God could have obliterated Mitzrayim. That's not his style. Not what he does. He could have saved every animal uh, living in the region uh, around where Eden was and around the Black Sea where the first civilizations were. He could have saved them all by miraculously just taking them up to heaven and then bringing them back down. But no, he worked with Noah. Together they would build an ark. God could have unified Israel and saved the people from the devastation of Shaul, but he chose to work with this young man. Yahweh could have conveyed all of his prophecy to us on a loudspeaker. He could have it uh, be broadcast just through the air. But no, he chose to work with 40 prophets. It's the prime objective was to create a family and to work together. And Dode is the implement that Yahweh chose to do so much of his work through. And so that's why it is important for us to recognize him for what he is. This is the man who Yahweh called to work with him, to call his people home. He called his people home and unified them and protected them in Israel 3,000 years ago. And he is calling them home with his words and wants to protect them in Israel again in our immediate future. He is the hand, the influence of God that will bring restoration upon all of the lost sheep, these little ones. Zechariah, Zechariah 13. I have placed themselves and their words over God. They lost sight of Dode. And it was by failing to consider his example that the sheep were scattered. The corollary is also true. It is by coming to appreciate Yahweh's chosen one, his beloved son, the Messiah and king, the shepherd and branch, God's firstborn, and his associate, the prophet, who was right, that we find the hand of God returning to bring restoration. He is calling the people home. It is what we learned when translating Yeshua, Isaiah, for observations and by contemplating the Mizmor Psalms for coming home. 
It is God's constant message from Moshe to Malachi. Now, in this next prophetic uh, statement, the Eretz land is likely a reference to Yisrael and thus to Yahudim, Jews. Sadly, two-thirds of those who were alive at the beginning of the time of Jacob's trouble, and I said that in past tense when it is, in fact, a future tense, uh, will uh, be gone. Two-thirds. Now, as bad as that seems, the demise of five to ten million Jews, their death will be at the hand of man, not God. The one-third spared is uh, Yahweh's remnant, with him saving them from the continuing onslaught. And by the way, the rest of humankind is likely not to fare as well. It shall come to exist in the whole land, prophetically predicts Naum Yahweh. The portion, according to the word, that is two-thirds, shall be cut off and eliminated. And one-third will be permanent, spared, preserved of them. So we just talk about how shepherd has caused the sheep to scatter and that he is returning for the benefit of those sheep and now he's telling you how many sheep are going to be there to embrace Mm -hmm. him in the end one out of every three if you're a Yehudim you can continue to be religious to the end and you will not be among them if you are a Yehudim and you choose to be political to the end, you will not be among them. If you choose to open your mind, your eyes, to Yahweh's testimony, his Torah, his prophets, his son, you will be among them. A sheep that comes back home to the shepherd. Now, there are several reasons that Eretz is translated land here rather than earth. The first is that the word's primary meaning is land. And second, Yahweh has been speaking to the house of Dod, to Yahudem, and to those living within Jerusalem. That is what has led up to these statements that we have read in the 13th chapter of Zechariah. So in context, He's speaking of the house of Dode. And third, the world at large is not going to fare nearly as well. It is likely that one in a million of the eight billion Goyim alive today will be among those spared by Yahweh. Moreover, we are observing Yom Kippurim. That's the day that Yahweh's returning for his sheep. And that's about the restoration and reconciliation of Yisrael and Yahudah with Yahweh. When you read the 31st chapter of Yirmiyah, it says specifically that Yahweh's return to reconcile his relationship with Yisrael and Yahudah 
is going to take place with the Torah but being written inside of us such that we know he is not returning and not restoring the covenant for anyone else but Yisrael and Yahudah. So it is for them that he is returning and we now know that will be only one-third of Jews who will even survive to this day. We do not know what percentage of these Yehudim that uh, will accept Yah, who will sing Yada, Yahweh. Now keep in mind at this time, a third of Jews are too religious to save. Another third are too preoccupied with politics um, who are way too liberal and thus irrational to save. So God is saving every Jew that can be spared. These are the ones who will look upon Yahweh as the family is reunited. As we move on, uh, fire is being used metaphorically um, as uh, in a crucible in the time of, uh, of Jacob's troubles. Uh, the time of Jacob's troubles um, could be seven years, although I think it is likely three to three and a half years. I think that the, uh, the, the severity of the time of Jacob's trouble uh, likely commences at the return of Elia, uh, Elijah. Uh, Elia is returning on Pesach Passover in 2030, uh, along with uh, another witness, the unnamed witness, who is uh, most likely uh, the Choder, the Nacri, uh, a Goyim, um, to uh, serve as the final witness to uh, uh, Yah's people and therefore the Passover in 2030 is uh, three and a half years from the time that Yah was returning so that is the commencement of the worst time of Jacob's troubles but be aware the world's on the precipice of war anti-Semitism is uh, growing rapidly worldwide it's becoming more and more difficult for Jews to uh, live in the United States, in Europe, um, in um, South America, uh, harder and harder, and it's going to get worse and worse. And conspiracy is the fastest-growing religion in the world, and the number one conspiracy has been and continues to be mm-hmm. blame the Jews. Mm-hmm. So things are going to get exceedingly rough. And now with the you know the onslaught of uh, Omicron with uh, COVID. Uh, these conspiracy nuts are want to blame Jews for the origination of a disease which was conceived in the, the Wuhan uh, virology lab in, uh, in China. Uh, and as we find uh, Russia invading the Ukraine, China invading Taiwan and the world on the precipice of war, we will find Muslims, particularly Iran, becoming ever more belligerent. 
Um, Hezbollah is armed with hundreds of thousands of rockets and with uh, drones. Uh, Hamas is as belligerent as ever. And progressives, even progressive Jews, have turned against Israel and against uh, uh, Jews. Uh, and so it is becoming an exceedingly difficult place. You have the idiot who is the president of the United States endorsing the final solution. Uh, they call it the two-state solution, but you might as well call it the final solution because when it's imposed, Israel becomes indefensible. And we will be uh, engaged in the Third World War just as the Second World War started when Neville Chamberlain ceded the high ground of Czechoslovakia to the Nazis. The ceding of the West Bank and, uh, and the thinning of Israel at the waist um, will mark the end. It will be the final solution that man imposes to rid the world of Israel, unfortunately. Fortunately for Israel, unfortunately for humankind, the rest of humankind, uh, they will not be, they will not be uh, successful. But this is what we call the time of Jacob's troubles, and it is, will soon be upon us. We are in 2022 today, uh, the worst of this begins in 2030, just eight years away. So I will come and be included among this one-third. The speaker here is Yahweh. I will come to be, uh, come to and be included among this one-third. Now, this is a God speaking to his people when there's people don't know or use his name. So that's the first step here. <laughs> if you are a Yisraelite or Yehudim, yeah, mm-hmm. you need to know who he is. His name is Yahweh. I will come to and be included among this one-third. In the fire, I will purge and refine them, perfecting them as one refines and tests uh, them as one assesses the authenticity of gold. Uh, as one, re- I should say, as one refines silver. Uh, silver and, uh, and tests them as gold. one, yeah, and uh, assesses the authenticity of gold. They will individually offer a summons and a welcome, calling out in my personal and proper name, and I myself will answer them. Hallelujah. Yeah, so here we know the following thing. One is that Yahweh himself is returning. You know, mm-hmm. the, one of the principles of, uh, of um, 13 principles of Judaism is that there is an unknown Messiah who's going to come. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't know so much about that, <laughs> although that Messiah is known. His name is Doug. But God says, I'm coming. Yeah. So why not just put that as your principle? Yahweh is returning. And in this fire of the time of Jacob's troubles, God is perfecting it. It is going to take this kind of crucible to finally awaken Jews to the point they will say, we have been misled by the rabbis. We've been misled by our politicians. The truth has been in the Torah and prophets all along. God's name is Yahweh. It's time that we recognize him. 
And just as every metaphor of consequence that God uses requires being crushed before it's useful, uh, olives are crushed to make olive oil. Grapes are crushed to make wine. Mm -hmm. Grain is crushed to make bread. Finally, in the end, Israelites, Yehudim, will be crushed by this time, this crucible of Jacob's troubles, of people around the world ganging up on them, Muslims flooding into Israel at, uh, at numbers that are beyond the number of bullets to stop them, that in the midst of this fire, God's going to refine his people, that remnant of them, testing them, as one assesses the authenticity of gold. And I will individually offer a summons and a welcome calling out in my personal and proper name, and I myself will answer them. And I will say, each one is my family, and he or she will individually say, Yahweh is my God. If you are among the chosen people listening to this, why not do it today? Why play Russian roulette with the next um, six, seven, eight years as we move forward in time, 11 years till we get to this date? hoping that you're among the one-third that survives and that, okay, at that time I'll make my decision. What if you're not one of them? What if you're not one of the one-third that survive? What if something happens between now and then and you forget what, what God has said to you? He's telling you that he himself is returning that he himself is offering an invitation, a summons. He is offering a welcome. He is kara, which is the basis of the word mikra, which means to consider the implications of being called out, being welcomed, being invited to meet. So hu, kara, ba. They will individually offer a summons and a welcome, calling out, in my personal and proper name, and I myself will answer them. I will say, each one is my family. Remember reading um, Hosha, where God mm-hmm. pronounces, you know, you are no longer my uh, family. You are no longer my children. No. And he says that he's going to heal that rift. And he says, the time will come where I will say, you are my family. You are my children. And he actually gave the timing of, uh, of that uh, miracle, saying that it would happen 2,000 years after the cure was provided, just 2,000 years after Pesach was fulfilled and Matzah was fulfilled in 33 CE. So this is 2033. And so God is saying... Uh, I'm reconciling my relationship. You you are my sons of daughters. You are my family. He hasn't said that of the children of Israel. 
in a very long time. You are my family. And his family is going to respond to him and says and say, Yahweh is our God. When we read such words, we know that there will be no religious Jews in the midst because guess what name they will never say? Yahweh, of course. There'll be no progressives or liberals in the midst because the last thing they're going to do is acknowledge Yahweh is God. For them, there is no God. They are aggressive in their atheism. So hopefully you're one of those, one of the the remnant. And if you uh, are listening, choose today. Yahweh doesn't begin being God in 2033 in year 6,000. Yeah, he's God right now. This invitation isn't being delayed until 2033. It's available to you right now. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Our relationship with Yahweh is wonderful. His testimony is inspiring. It's uplifting. God asks nothing for us, from us, that isn't exceedingly beneficial. All five requirements of the covenant, which are the only five things he asks of us, are all exceedingly beneficial for us. And what he offers and benefits for those who accept the five terms and conditions of the covenant are immortality, being perfected, being adopted into his family being enriched and being empowered uh, to an infinite extent. God is saying, I want you to be my sons and daughters. All you need to do is recognize him. Yahweh is our God. Now, Yahweh is not only returning for his people and coming back to Jerusalem, he will be included amongst them. God is not, however, lowering his standards nor changing his approach. Those who are accepted will have passed his test. Remember the previous statement, I'm testing them. Mm-hmm. It's not the first time that God has tested someone. You know that Abraham was tested. That's what the entire experience with he and, Yash- and, uh, and Yishak on Mount Moriah was all about. It was a test. He's going to test and refine that remnant that survived that he calls family. Being right is not difficult, however, in this test because it is an open book test in the fullest sense of the word. If you have read these books, you will know the answers. Our metal is tested and our characters refined, and we are forged in the crucibles of our day. Such was the case with Dode. It is by overcoming challenges and prevailing when others are hesitant that we develop the confidence and courage, the sense of adventure that God finds appealing. You know, I'm maybe an inarticulate uh, goyim, not among the chosen people. And yet I had qualities that God found serviceable 
because like his son, Dode, I'm ready to go. Complete confidence in Yahweh, the courage and the sense of adventure to go wherever God leads. And it's a wonderful, liberating, exciting place to be. It is also in this crucible that we'll be purged of religious and political dross, perfected because God values our company. The observant will be examined and their authenticity will be assessed. And that is because it is as it really should be, because God, if he allowed everyone who asked to be included in heaven, to be included in his family, to enter heaven, then I'm going to say that heaven would be, yeah, no better than hell. It'd be no different than right now. And I want to tell you, right now is not so good. No. Yes, we're enjoying our life focused on the Torah. We, we spend it with Yahweh. Every moment is is spectacular, but the world that we live in is not. And if the idiots that, uh, that lead this world were all allowed into heaven, then heaven would be hell. And so God does have a test. He is discerning. Well, as we read these words, there's so much for the idiocy of God's writing. G-D are saying Hashem, or the Lord. On this day, Yahweh's name will be on the lips and the hearts of Yehudim. As a matter of fact, for the first time in a long time, Jews will be Yehudim. Yehudim means those who are beloved by Yahweh, those who are related to Yahweh. In the very act of summoning Yahweh by name, when it demonstrates that these Yehudim are different, that their thinking is different, that their perspectives and attitudes have changed radically. They will reject Judaism's prohibition against actually saying Yahweh's name, and in the process, they will form a personal and proper relationship with God, and they will be covenant. If anyone is chafing at the idea that I am pronouncing Yahweh's name as if I was certain that's how it's pronounced. You are. It <laughs> <laughs> has to be. Is literally pronounced it as a constant and vowel in English and in which it is. I'd have to say that again. You kind of broke up. That my name is based on the Hebrew verb haya, to exist. I am. I was, I will be, which is the pronunciation of Haya. And Haya has every letter in Yahweh's name except the Yod, which is the one that no one doubts the way it's pronounced. As for, well, excuse me, it has everyone but the, the Wa. It has the, 
the yod and the two he's. Mm-hmm. As for the uh, the waz, I've told you, it is the O in Torah. Look up how Torah is actually written. The most commonly pronounced word in, among Jews for centuries other than Torah is shalom. Look up how shalom is written. Where does the O sound come from? Where do we get the name Yob? How about Yoel? Yeah. How about Eloah, upon which El and Elohim are based. Eloah, yeah. It is all Owa, pronounced as an O. Just using the Torah, just using Shalom, just using Haya, the verb that is the basis for Yahweh's name, or the title, Eloah. We know how to pronounce Yahweh's name. There were 17 consonants, five vowels, and the 22 letters. So Yao is, in this statement, as I mentioned earlier, he is referring back to the divorce decree that uh, he issued through Hosha. Uh, uh, Hosha spoke around 700 BCE. Um, Zachariah is probably 500 BCE. So we are different by maybe 200 years. So it's it's referring back to that. It expects you to know that there was a divorce decree issued through Hosha. And so Yao is announcing that it's over. This is a family reunion, which is foretold in the connection with Yom Kippurim. Out of the Holocaust, Israel was restored. So out of the ashes of Armageddon, Yodem will be reunited with God. And I understand that's a it's different than the Hebrew pronunciation. It's Harmageddon is where the rendezvous will occur. Then the final battle is around Harmageddon. But it is there that Yahudim will be restored. Now, having been blinded since the days of Yashaya, Isaiah, and divorced since the days of Hosha, the chosen people are together again. This is an appropriate place to, in, in, well, to pause and think about where we uh, have been. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that there is a chapter break here uh, where we begin Zechariah, the 14th chapter. And I don't know why some idiot decided this would be the break, because clearly there is no change of subject. Uh, this reads next, 14.1. Behold, a day of return is coming to approach Yahweh. And then that which is good and valuable will be apportioned and assigned to you in your midst. A day of return is Yom Kippur, the day of reconciliations. It's five days prior to the Moed Mikra of Sukkah, where we get to camp out with God. There's a lot that's going to transpire in those five days in which the world will be cleansed of religious, political, and conspiratorial corruption so that the conditions that we will experience will be identical to what was experienced in Eden. We are being brought back into the Garden of Great Joy. That is on our immediate horizon in October 
of 2033. It is the return which is coming, a time to approach Yahweh. And then that which is good and valuable will be apportioned and assigned in your midst. What is good and valuable from Yahweh's perspective? Nothing is better Relationship. than his Torah and its uh-huh. covenant. And uh-huh. so in Yirmiyah 31, Yahweh says specifically, I'm going to reaffirm my covenant with Yahuda and Yisrael. And the difference between the covenant as it existed previously and the way that it will exist going forward is that God's going to write his teaching, his Torah, inside of us so that it becomes an integral part of who we are. So we're, we're literally guided through eternity by God's instructions. That is the gift that is being apportioned. That, of course, and the gift of the covenant, where we inherit all that Yahweh has to give, which is a lot, considering he's giving us the universe. And this universe is so much bigger than we can perceive because we only perceive three dimensions. And the universe is sixth, and in the seventh dimension, we enter heaven. We're being liberated in all of that. We're being enriched and empowered to enjoy all of that. We're giving a share as an inheritance of all God has to give. That is what is being apportioned among us and in our midst. I think we have passed the uh, the time of uh, broadcast, the time of, we've now entered just the time of of where those who have called in can listen. We did get a rough start mm-hmm. on uh, tonight's yeah. program. I apologize for my frustration, but you know, when you're, when you're ready and, and excited to share Yah's teaching and the technology doesn't allow you to do it, it is, uh, it's indeed frustrating. Yes, and sir. Uh, so um, I'm frustrated by the technology, but I'm thrilled with the opportunity that we have to, uh, to reach out to you. And, um, very few things are as wonderful to share as what Yahweh conveyed through Zachariah about his personal return and about the distinguishing aspect of that day, which is the remnant of Yehuda, the scattered sheep, will look up to Yahweh and call him out by name as Yahweh returns and said, and says, you are my family. What a wonderful, wonderful reunion. It begins the best time in the history of the universe. Well, happy Shabbat to uh, one and all. Um, uh, Thank you for uh, for listening. We look forward to being with you this time next week. Uh, Please uh, uh, visit yadayah.com. Please um, take a moment if you have it and visit any one of the three social media sites now supporting uh, the message here at yadayah.com. All the books uh, are free in their entirety. They're beautifully presented. They can be read on your phone or on a tablet or on a, on a computer. And should you want the, uh, the tactile feel of paper and pages, as uh, some of us still uh, love in the uh, living in an analog world, I uh, 
you can buy hardbacks and softbacks of these for just the publishing cost, royalty-free, uh, through uh, Amazon.com, either searching for my name or just go to the uh, the site. 